Welcome to the Irish NFL show and happy Halloween to those of you watching us live on YouTube. Um, you're welcome and you're welcome to our week eight talking points brought to you by Buskers on the Ball in Dublin's Temple Bar. You check out Buskers on the Ball every Sunday evening where they show a selection of games and also Red Zone each NFL weekend. Well, in week eight, Joe Burrow was back to his best. Broncos column books their losing streak against the Chiefs. Finally, Panthers also chalked up their first win of the season. And Kirk Cousins, unfortunately, looks to have played his last game of the 2023 season. We'll have all that and more coming up. But first of all, uh, where would we be if we weren't recapping on what ended up being quite a busy uh, trade deadline day? So let's recap some of the major talking points there. And just to run through uh, some of the deals before we do, uh, New York sent defensive end Leonard Williams to Seattle for two draft picks. Uh, Washington sent Chase Young to San Francisco, another D lineman there, and Montez Sweat to Chicago. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, Josh Jobs has gone to the Vikings. Uh, Rasul Douglas gone from Green Bay to Buffalo to address an area of need for them, a cornerback. And um, Cleveland sent Donovan Peoples-Jones to Detroit. Jacksonville traded for Ezra Cleveland, offensive lineman from Minnesota. And Philadelphia sent one of their 27,000 defensive linemen, Contavious Street, to Atlanta. That's uh, obviously a replacement for Grady Jarrett there following his in- injury. That's what it, certainly what it looked like. Um, Brian, let's start off with that uh, that Leonard Williams trade, I guess, says something about where both New York and Seattle are right now. And talk to us about it from a New York perspective first and uh, what the Giants get out of this. Uh, well, it kind of makes sense in, in many ways for where they're at. And like anybody who follows the Giants, like I do, and various other people around the country will recognize it was probably unrealistic to think that Leonard Williams will be back next season, no matter what the circumstances are, whether they were to make the playoffs. Because of the, the amount in which he's been on, and some Giants fans have a mixed opinion of whether he's been how productive he's been over the course of the last quarter of five years. I think in the last two years in particular, he's, he's been really a good player, even despite the struggles of the team defensively over the past three weeks. Like I don't think anybody could argue with the Giants' defense over the past few weeks in terms of how they played even on Sunday. They did everything in their power to win the game, and he's, he's, he's one of the main guys behind that. So it's disappointing to see him go, but I don't think any Giants fan in their wildest dreams thought a second round there was coming back. That slightly has to be tampered with the fact that Seattle, the way they're going, will probably in all likelihood be in the playoffs. Right now, they're top of the West, so they could be this second round could be a very late second round pick, but at the same time, certainly didn't see it coming. And uh, it's fine too. It makes it for him personally, it's a great move. You know, he goes to Seattle in a team that's defensively looked like the powerhouse that they used to be, and a uh, great opportunity for him get back in the playoffs for another team. For the Giants, it probably kind of. This thing was any hope of the season kind of getting back on track. I think there's winnable games still to come, but even the winnable games right now are becoming the struggle. So I think it's one with a night. Joe Shane has done a lot of good trades over the course of last year, so I'll give him that. That was another good one, in my opinion. Colm, from a Seattle point of view, you know, around the time of the Russell Wilson trade, you would have said, oh, yeah, Seattle very much in rebuild mode. <laughs> Next thing you know, they're, they're heading for the playoffs, likely for the second season in a row. They've hit on a bunch of young players in two consecutive drafts now and see Jackson Smith and Jigba had another good weekend and seems to be coming good for them in terms of their uh, the, the offensive players. We've seen what they've done in terms of the draft picks that have hit for them on the defensive side of the ball. And that puts you in a position uh, where you can wheel and deal on on on, uh, on, tra- on trade deadline day and they looks like they've got themselves a good one. Yeah, and if you dig into it, Connor, the Seahawks are the best team against the run in the NFL. And you kind of look at the guys they have there um, and you think, my goodness, that's uh, impressive. But what happens uh, if somebody goes down? And 
you're looking at, at bringing somebody in. I think some people will probably look at the second round and say, you know, it seems a bit high, but like they're only paying, what, 650K in terms of salary. So that's essentially what it is. I think the Seahawks, you know, Brian mentioned it and it's that kind of famous saying that we've seen players mention. He went to bed two and six. He woke up five and two. Uh, he's going to be pretty pleased with, with how it's gone. We're going to, I'm sure, get into another move that was made in the NFC West. Um, you know, we talked about the AFC West being an arms race last year. Uh, well, the defensive pieces are, uh, you know, being stockpiled in the NFC West. But Seattle will look at it and we'll get into the Vikings as well. When you look at the NFC landscape, we know injuries happen. You've got to, you know, and the Eagles are sitting atop and they have a, a great roster. But everybody has to look at it and say, we're in with a real chance here. Brian, uh, Colin has alluded to it there, but let, let's wrap it up into into a package because it's interesting in terms of the teams that they've traded with, but it's also interesting maybe, first of all, from from a Washington point of view, they now officially seem to be tanking and uh, you know a lot of people speculating that this is the Josh Harris influences, the new owner. Josh Harris is big into backing his money ball guys, the analytics people, and they'll be looking to, to stockpile draft capital and they've begun that by breaking up young and sweaty for anyone who listens to the around the NFL podcast, they'll lament the end of that partnership because both um, Montez Sweat and Chase Young now being shipped out of Washington in two very different directions. Talk to us first of all about this from a, from a commander's perspective. Well, if you read from the, the reports today, it's a bit of a mixed, mixed opinion. It was very much the ownership that led to these deals being done as opposed to the coaching staff and Rivera and Rivera's different people across the staff are, were not keen to move any players on. They still felt that there's a lot to play for. Uh, you could argue... There isn't and, and the narrative on both of these guys was they very much wanted them in the building. You know, Chase Young yep. obviously has yep. been injury hit but was being given a sort of a prove-it year and sweat as a guy they they seemed like they wanted to re-sign. Yeah, I looked at some of the numbers for Chase Young this season. I was actually quite surprised that obviously we don't... Well, the, the commander in great detail but his numbers aren't... You know, they don't have to be... Sniffed that he's had a, a good season, bearing in mind what he's playing with in terms of the tier, how up and down there. And uh, like I was such looking at, we were, I think we we're going to come to maybe where we are in terms of playoff picture, albeit halfway through the season. And you look at the teams like kind of just below that seventh, that seven wildcards, but it's only like a game or two between them. And the commanders are very much in that mix. So it's an unusual one that sense the owners feel that this is tied to move on. I, I look at it and I think the owners are looking at this from bigger picture here. We need to get, they probably think they need to get a quarterback in the future in the next draft and they're getting the Bears second round so with all due respect, right, like the expectation is that's a top 10 second round pick that allows them to get a bit of, hey, I suppose a few extra picks to potentially move up in the draft next year if they find themselves picking, you know, in the 1 to 15 category and then you've got another third round in Chase Young from the Chase Young trades that they're, they're building up the ammunition early. That's the only top press have because I, to see them since he moved two players out. I expected one, but not two. And Colin, to take the other side of this, and sorry, at the, at the risk of burying the lead here, we're only getting to it now. Obviously, Chase Young has gone to San Francisco, who aren't exactly short of uh, of, of big guys in the trenches. and um, They seem to have stockpiled defensive linemen, and uh, he, he enters a crowded picture there. We'll see what Steve Wilkes does with him. Yeah, that... It's going to be a very interesting piece because Chase Young has lots of ability as he showed in college and he's reunited with Bosa, but 
they have struggled. Bosa, you know, has struggled to get sacks this season after signing that massive contract. Um, you're you're looking at, I suppose, how he will do. I mean, I think for the the Forty ers they've their secondary has been carved up. I think what they're hoping is the ability to get to the QB helps out the secondary. Uh, I know that was certainly the case, uh, you know, famously for the Broncos a few years back. Um, I think Mike Silver had a very interesting piece on this where he kind of highlighted the positive and the negative. And he's a guy who has close ties to the Shanahan's. He writes in uh, the San Francisco uh, Chronicle. Um, So he is ready for that audience. But he did point out that one of the reasons why I suppose um, Sweat went for what he did and Young has gone for what he has is partly the injury, but also the fact that Young is considered to be ill-disciplined by some in the commanders and that he's more interested in making splash plays than in following a coach's orders. So that was an interesting piece I, I saw that he put out there. Um, but he said it's, it's absolutely worth the, the roll of the dice. You're, you're taking him essentially for a rental you can decide if you then want to keep him in the building with what the 49ers have already. Maybe they decide to do that. You know, if they're continuing to roll with Brock Purdy next year, they'll have the, the cap space potentially to to do that. Um, but again, Cause, cause they look paying like, was it $560,000 this season? It's very cheap for what, for what they're potentially this, getting. This season it is, but it, it, then they, they have to negotiate the deal. Like he is out of contract. So for him, he, ha- he he's in a proven period right now. Um, he's with a great team. He will get the opportunity to do that. If he can prove it, there's no reason why Chase Young couldn't end up earning 18, 19, 20 million next year. And to your point, and we talked about this last week, the 49ers defense is not a bend, don't break unit. It's built to make plays, to hurt people, to smash quarterbacks. And it's, it's it hasn't been happening. And now that they do seem to be very much back to the mold of being a defense first team, uh, they really need to get what Chase Young can potentially give them, and it needs to happen pretty quickly. Oh, or Brian, you wanted to make a quick point. No, yeah. Well, I think we're going to come to around cornerbacks, and I'm just like, Colin is right. He's mentioned the cornerbacks of the Niners, and they've been carved up recently. I mean, they've been carved up more times than this uh, kid's uh, bunking over the past few days, you know? But um, they weren't in the cornerback mix at all. I thought there would have been some kind of movement there. But it wasn't, it wasn't the case. It was very much, let's go after the front seven again. Focus on the top end of the defense as opposed to secondary. Because someone I saw, I read a great one today. Uh, we're, 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 uh, we're trading for these players. Can we straight away Steve Wilkes and find the <laughs> defensive coordinators that are they're already turning on him? And that wasn't one. That was a lot of, a lot of fans were back in it, were, were yeah, double downing on that. Matt Canada and a bag of picks from, from the Pittsburgh Steelers for, mm. for Steve Wilkes. Um, but as you, there were, you know, Rasul Douglas went, and Jalen Johnson was potentially on the blocks for the for the Bears. Although it seems like they were looking to extract a hefty premium for that, so uh, he's staying put for now. Um, and you know, to that point, Montez Sweat obviously has has gone to the Bears for a second round pick. You know, a lot of the instant reaction to this um, from from those who cover the Bears closely has been this is potentially uh, another fairly injudicious bit of, bit of business by the Bears general manager Ryan Poles who had his pocket picked by the Steelers last year on the on the Chase Claypool trade that ended up being and um, to your point Brian a very high uh, second round pick indeed it was the 32nd overall pick of the draft because the Dolphins didn't have a first round pick so effectively it turned into a late first round for the for the Steelers and Chase, Chase Claypool 
was not long for the Bears' world, having been shipped to the Dolphins midway through this season amid uh, all sorts of frustrations over his effort or lack thereof in the, in, in the dressing room and on the field. Um, you know, at least from the point of view of what the Bears need player-wise, that this was a glaring area of need, right? They, they're not getting any pressure up front. They're literally the worst pass rush in the NFL. Um, Hunter Sweat brings six and a half sacks with them. The Bears collectively only have 10 uh, between them for the season. They have fewer sacks than any other NFL team. Um, and, and it's killing them, you know. And Ryan Poles is getting a lot of criticism for prioritizing non-premium positions um, on, on defense. You know, they pay two linebackers and um, shipped Rokon Smith out and a stockpile of, of cornerbacks, including Jalen Johnson, who didn't move, who, who kind of have very little opportunity to prove themselves if you're not getting pressure up front. And this obviously addresses that layering area of need. But to your point on, on the way the 49ers trade worked out, Colin, it looks like you're, you're, you're sending a high second round pick for season rental, half season rental, and then the opportunity to get a guy that you might have been able to go after in free agency anyway. And the Bears have, I think, close on $100 million worth of projected salary cap room next year. So they could have been very much in the, the, the Montez Sweat sweepstakes. I guess what we don't know what we don't know. We don't know what potentially was on the table from other teams. And we don't know how highly Ryan Poles had, had him rated. But uh, uh, he's paid top dollar for him, at least in the short term. And uh, that'll need to work out given uh, given the way the Chase Claypool trade worked um, last year. Um, you made a point, Brian, about cornerbacks. One that we did see moving was... Um, uh, was Rasul Douglas, who's gone from Green Bay to Buffalo. They obviously had that uh, hole to fill with Tredavious White going down with a non-contact injury and out from the, from the season. Their, their secondary dinged up elsewhere too. So that's a critical piece for them, you would think, if they're going to try and pick back up some momentum. Yeah, it, it became very evident over the course of the, the day, reading the reports that they were very much in the sweepstakes and they were, they were ringing around trying to find a number of teams and a number of suitors potentially to make trades with quarterbacks and they were in the Jalen Johnson Conversations and by the sound of the Bears looking for a number one pick, you know, they have that conversation. Yeah, I suppose come to fruition in terms of a deal. But Douglas will go over there. He's got the experience, to, you know, to set in. They're not happy by all accounts, but but Elam, the you know, I think it's a second third year in the league. You know, cornerback, they, which they picked at twenty four a year, and it was really highly tall of. That's a, really hasn't materialised. So it's an interesting one because I don't think one player is going to solve the problem there. I think great, he'll come in and he'll probably have a bit of an impact. Like to transition to go in there immediately and expect an upward turn, I think it's difficult. They've got the Bengals on the road on Monday. I mean, Dogbug going into the ring of fire, really, you want to call it. They're going to go up against Jamar Chase and various different other players that can turn around when they want. And it looks like the Bengals are back to the form which we spoke about, you know, when we were in Buskers on, on Saturday morning. It's an interesting one. It just became one of those deals essentially they were going to find some cornerback and Packers. Maybe the Packers are also in that kind of position that they, with the record they have that they can. Right, I suppose galvanize themselves and get in terms of getting more picks for next year. Colin, one to give you your props on, and you called it earlier in the season saying Josh Dobbs was playing for his next team in terms of what he would do in Arizona this year, and that arrived a little bit earlier than maybe a lot of people had expected, and um, partly, largely because of Minnesota's own woes with uh, Kirk Cousins going down with that injury. Dobbs is on his way to Minnesota. Yeah, I uh, I think this was a, uh, the best thing the Vikings could have done given the situation that they found themselves in. I mean, you have your um, your franchise QB who's playing the best football of his career goes down, and you you have um, and so, sorry, Brent, but the Vikings made the right decision to me last year in terms of they kind of had a surprise season. They ultimately said, "Look, we're not gonna." back things we're going to see how it runs back now they 
um, now find themselves with Kirk Cousins, but they don't know who was going to be the, the QB of the future. Things are, I suppose, gone a bit better over the past few weeks. And again, the NFC landscape. There's nobody terrifying out there. Um, you bring in Dobbs, who was playing, you know, reasonably well. He's not playing fantastically, but again, what what are you going to do given the situation? And if he can play reasonably well, he offers you a different sort of threat. Now that will be interesting to see because Kirk Cousins was not a mobile QB at all. Uh, Dobbs gives you that option, but he's not nearly as accurate as Kirk and he is more turnover uh, prone than Kirk uh, has has been certainly this season um, but I do I like it for the Vikings at least it means that they have done something I think players will have seen um, and look I, I you know we all want to see Kirk Cousins come back and kudos to Kirk Cousins who um, popped his Achilles and made it along he'd already a uh, pre-planned event and he didn't want to let the kids down so he showed up on the scooter um you know that's that uh, you know he that just talks to the type of guy he is in in fairness and if, if ever there was a man who who needed to do a netflix documentary it's kirk cousins I, like i've just been reflecting on this all season but it goes to show you how horrible and unfair fans and, and pundits are about people like people have this totally mistaken picture of kirk cousins that has hung around his neck like an albatross for years, and now he's the nicest guy in the NFL, and everybody loves him. And like the outpouring of, you know, grief and hand wringing when, when he went down with, with an injury, you know, like it's a horrible way for it to for for it to come around. But yeah, you know, I'm glad for him that he's getting the respect that he so clearly de- deserves, and it's it's an awful shame that 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 injury happened, as you say, Colin. He's been playing some of the best football in his career. I mean, you squinted the last couple of weeks, and you could have been looking at peak Tom Brady. You know, some of the throws he was making were just. Outrageous. I'm interested to see how Dobbs fits in, though, in, in that offense, because you, you can see, and I don't think this is going to be the problem for Minnesota somehow, but sometimes a mobile quarterback comes into the equation and, and it actually kind of fakes offensive coordinators out. They're not quite sure how to deploy him. They don't know whether to stick or twist, whether they keep with the game that's been working for them or how they're going to fit the uh, the, the, the RPO stuff in and, and, and make that work for them. They're going to be playing probably a lot more shotgun. And they're going to have to run from the gun as well to 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 sell the play action and make that make that scheme work. So I, I think they'll be creative enough to incorporate it, but I don't think it's going to happen overnight either. So that that's one thing to watch for. I think over the next uh, the next couple of weeks between now and the end of the season. And um, any other points from either of you before we move off that uh, trade deadline? Just to, well, more so going to a note on the Vikings. I mean, Jordan Addison is really, you know, he's really torn up in, in Jefferson's absence, and then Jefferson comes back after these four games. He's two games into the IR. Of four games, if he comes back and they do get it right with Dobbs in terms of the productivity both in the pass game and the run pass option, and where Jordan Ellison is now, where teams are going to not just have to combat for him or Jefferson, I think the Vikings have a real opportunity here. Like the 4 4, they're probably in that very precarious situation today going, What do we do here? Like, do we do we, do we tank? Well, like I said, we're tank proof. Do we? Except to where we are, we'll run. We'll keep running with the rookie quarterback that we have. Or do we really make a deal and try to get a quarterback in and that's has the experience to play and play as the quarterback? And they've done that. And just cousins, it's cousins for me is gone after probably arguably will 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 be one of the highest sought after free agents come come the off season to where he's going to be in terms of the Achilles and who wants to take that gamble of signing a quarterback coming off Achilles injury because you just never know. And the expectation around the contract for in free agency, I think that kind of. Changes the narrative very quickly for the 